Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. My name is Tony, and I'm excited to bring you episode 73 of the podcast. Hard to believe it, 73. And the conversation today is with author and speaker Nathan Clarkson. Now, Nathan and I dive into his new book, A Good Man. And it's all about um, an honest journey into discovering who men were actually created to be, like from a biblical standpoint. Such a good conversation. He has such a good heart. And, and we really dive into the phrase, what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? And the foundational virtues throughout scripture and how all of that kind of plays into his writing. Such a good conversation. Also, you don't need to be a guy to listen to this conversation. This is good for anyone because... If I know anything, I know that it's I need a lot of help to help me be who God's called me to be. And so having the women in my life listen to this is going to be super helpful. As always, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. We appreciate it. Do me a favor, leave a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does make a difference. I'm trying so hard to get us up to 50 reviews on iTunes. It would really help people find the podcast and get the word out about what God is doing through this medium. Uh, and don't forget, you can always text the word RECLAIM to 66866. Sign up, be a part of our community. We'd love to have you. I send out a, a weekly email most weeks. Sometimes I'm, I'm not always great about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd love to get you in the community and on the email list so that uh, you're sure that you don't miss anything that, that God is doing here and now. So uh, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Nathan Clarkson. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to be here with um, actor and podcaster and author Nathan Clarkson. Nathan recently came out with a book, Good Man. Nathan, how the heck are you, brother? I'm doing really well. I'm cooped up in a little New York apartment, but I am staying happy, getting a lot of writing done and looking forward to the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, being in New York, and uh, I, I think a lot of people are curious, what's it like to be in a city that feels like it's kind of the heartbeat of all of this and it, for the United States anyway. Yeah, it's a it's a really weird feeling. I moved to New York because I love the energy and I love the life. I love the artistry and the things happening here. And so I mentioned this, you know, we were talking a little earlier, I mentioned this to a lot of friends, that it feels like uh, you have this wonderful friend that you love, but they're sick. And so every day when I walk outside and you see either the empty streets or the people in masks avoiding each other, it kind of feels like you're looking at a sick friend and it's really sad. Um, but I am hopeful in small ways. I see the city coming back to life gently and more slowly than I would like, but, um, it has been quite an experience. Me and my wife cooped up here for, uh, for I guess three and a half months now. And, uh, it's created a lot of good conversation time and a lot of good writing time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, how long have you guys been married? We got married in November of last year. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, and you've been an artist and you've kind of been around. And so one of the things I've noticed a lot with uh, artist friends is that um, they're not used to spending this much time with their spouse. (laughs) Yeah, it is definitely an adjustment to lifestyle. I I kind of went where I want and did what I wanted uh, for, you know, over a decade. I'm I'm 30 now and I've been in this business and this kind of artist lifestyle for over a decade. And, you know, when you fall in love, one of the parts about falling in love is submitting your life and your desires and your wants to someone else because you want what's best for them. And so that's been definitely a learning curve. I wish I could be like, oh, I got it first day. 
didn't, um, but it's been a beautiful <laughs> learning curve. And it's funny, I have never been more acutely aware of my own shortcomings than I have been since I got married. <laughs> I okay, thought I was okay, doing so pretty good. <laughs> I, I have to ask, what have you learned about marriage in the midst of being cooped up in a pandemic? And and my understanding of New York, now I've never I lived in New York, but my understanding is that apartment footprints are huge, right? Like it's not like in the Midwest where everybody's got the picket fence kind of lifestyle, right? You're You're in an apartment. Uh, I listened to one podcast, the one you did with your mom, where the the trash chute is literally behind your couch. Yes, yes. Um, and so, what's what have you learned about marriage being stuck in a in a fairly small, um, albeit blessed footprint? Absolutely, I have learned, and you know, I hesitate to say this, but I've learned how selfish I am. I guess because oh. it's, it's easy to be non-selfish when you're living on your own, right? It's, you can eat whatever you want and you can think good thoughts about things. But when you have someone else there, you realize ha who has their own needs, wants, and desires and agency. All of a sudden you realize, I think I'm really selfish. And also I realized how petty I am and how and how not um, good I am at managing my frustration. And that's been a, it's been a learning curve. It's something that I'm learning every single day because it's easy not to get frustrated when you're by yourself again. But when you have someone who you love and who and who has their own desires and wants, then you all of a sudden go, oh, I'm not the only person here who gets to do whatever they want all the time. So that's something I'm learning, but it's also really stretching me. And I'm weirdly enough feeling closer and more um changed by God daily than I have in years, which is really interesting. Have you noticed that your daily disciplines in, in marriage and with God have shifted during the this yes. season? Yes. Um, what did they look like and what do they look like now? I'm always curious about people's daily rhythms. Yeah. Daily rhythms are something I have found more important than ever in my life before. Because when you're uh, sustaining a relationship, rhythms are the things that keep it going, keep it alive. You know, mm. working out is what builds muscle and it's not one really great workout. It is over the course of years going regularly every day or, you know, ho however often. So for me, you know, when I was alone, I could have Bible times and talk to God and read and study whenever I wanted, kind of on, on a whim. But with someone else in the house, I have to be intentional about my life. I have to schedule in, like you say, these rhythms in my life that I know if I don't do, that are easy to fall by the wayside. Um, if I don't, I will start atrophying, whether mentally or spiritually or physically. And so I am learning the art of being intentional about my spiritual life, my physical life, and my mental life. So I, every day I'm now going, I'm going to take this time every single day and I'm going to go outside and I'm going to have a prayer time and I'm going to, and every day, every night before I go to bed, now I'm going to read for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour and same with working out those kind of things. But I've learned to become more intentional about the rhythms, the rhythms in my life, as opposed to just doing them on a whim that used to be more plausible. But it feels, um, it feels like a, a huge God nudge that your book would be coming out in this time period because your book, Good Man, is, is all about uh, what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Mm. And um, one of the things I've heard you say is that it's about um, being, it's about creating stories of what that means, of, of what kind of man that looks like. How has um, your book being released in this time period and the forced intentionality of new practices? all kind of come together in your life. I'm curious about that. Yeah, it's that's it's a really interesting question. And I think I'm still 
kind of figuring it out. It's definitely a process. Um, but yeah, I wrote this book because I, I wanted, because I think we all have these ideas in our mind, right, about what a sure. good man is. And I think, e- even if we don't admit it, but a lot of them are formed by culture, by movies we've seen, by our family. Um, and I think they're very image inducing as well. You know, we have the guy smoking a cigarette with a leather jacket and a sports car in our mind. That's a real man. Or we've heard real men don't cry, real men drink beer, eat steak, whatever it is. We have all these images that culture tells us. And for me, I started finding myself in kind of an identity crisis going, what is a real man? And more than that, what is a good man? Meaning, what is a man of faith? What is a man who follows God? And this this came at a time in my life when I was living in Hollywood and I was surrounded by very is it interesting? This inspired the book, really. I was surrounded by such poor images of men, mm. such weak images of men. Um, and I saw the destruction that the choices and lives they left, uh, they, they made left. And so I started having to ask myself, what is a good man? And so that's kind of where I began this journey into looking to scripture. If I believe I was created, then I think the only way to find out what a good man is, is to look at the creator of men. That's kind of where this thing began and is continuing through this pandemic, through the release and through my marriage. And I, I, I have a feeling it'll probably continue till I'm dead. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do they call that? Sanctification, right? Mm-hmm. The process of that process of becoming more and more like Christ. And one of the things that I'm always interested in is, um, to get a practical, like the metric of success, right? So, you know, you've all heard smart goals and things like that, but, but, you know, you talked a little bit about this idea of a poor image of a man and, um, and, and a, you know, a different kind of image. How do we determine what success looks like in the image of a man or or kind of what are some of the basis points that you went off of uh, for the book? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because I think we live in a culture that's somewhat subjective in how we um, come to sure, morality. Yeah. And so, and no one wants to be the guy who comes with a list of um, of morals. I don't want to be a moralistic person. <laughs> right, that's, no. that's no fun. That's a buzzkill. Uh, and I actually think moralism is, is wrong, but there still needs to be some metric to what is a good man, what isn't, what is, what is good action, what are good actions, what aren't. And for me, I think that the universe was designed in such a way by God that when we respond to him, we see health, we see life we see goodness and when we um disobey him or or rail against his natural design in the universe we see nat- we, we see natural results of destruction and pain and so a lot of the weak um and poor versions of men i would see their actions would leave the world a worse place off it would hurt people they would mm. hurt themselves it would make the world around them uh, a more destructive and angry place and as a result of a direct result of actions that go directly against how god has asked us and called us to live and so conversely when i went to look at a good man i noticed you know all through scripture god calls men god calls all humans to act in this way to respond to his natural design. And when we do, we see natural, um, quote unquote, blessing. We see goodness. We see joy. We see wholeness. We see redemption and healing. And so my metric for um, what the, the good direction, the bad direction is, one, I think it's bounced off of who God has called us to be in scripture. And I explore that in the book. And two, the results of doing that do we see health in our life? Do we see more love? Do we see more forgiveness, more redemption, more kindness, uh, and all those things combined? So that's how I, the kind of the evidence that you were moving in the right direction to me. Let's get personal for a second. Let's do it. Uh, living in LA, uh, living your best creative life. 
which by the way, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm a word creative guy. I'm not like, uh, I'm not artsy. Like I just don't have that bone in my body. I wish I did. Like I, 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 I watched your book trailer and oh my gosh. Oh, thank you. That was epic, dude. Where was that shot at, by the way? That was shot in one of my favorite places in the world. It was shot in Iceland. And it was this beautiful footage I got from a guy in Iceland. Because um, the, the cover of the book is actually um, a man walking on an Icelandic beach. And I love the colors there. I love visiting there. And so I got this beautiful footage from a guy there. And I cut it all together with this beautiful music. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Because um, it's imagery that was like, it was what I needed uh, it was what I needed to see that day to, to kind of like, it was just like, man, I could use some waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can use them about now too. I've seen a lot of whitewashed walls. <laughs> and I was like, that is so cool. But uh, back to, I, I distracted myself back to the original question is um, I, I would have to assume that there's been a season in your life where you were more destructive than less godly. H- how did you transform back on the path. Cause I, th- I think that there, it probably ebbs and flows more than a lot of us want to admit more, I, more than I want to admit, especially as a dad and a husband. Um, h- how did you personally, what was that season like and how did you personally get back to a place that looked like health? Yeah, that is a, that's a great question. And, you know, I grew up a pastor's kid. My mom is a popular speaker and author. So I always had this conception of what a, 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 you know, a good Christian guy looked like, you know, that yeah. there's a, a, a trope that comes with pastor's kids. And there was always this part of me that kind of wanted to buck that. I didn't <laughs> want that label. I wanted to kind of do what I wanted and live the way I wanted. And so I have no qualms. You know, I've, I have um, written about this before with talking about that. I have been a prodigal, not once, multiple times in my life. I have walked away from God. You know, I always believed in him. I knew him too well. I was introduced to him at a young age. That was, that was something I couldn't get away from if I wanted to, but I decided to be the king of my life and many of my decisions. Mm. Um, and I guess the thing that I would say brought me back, and I wish I could say it was just one season, but like you said, it's definitely an ebb and flow, but I hope right. we're getting a little less ebb as every year as I get older. Um, but the seasons I look back on and I see the destructive choices I made for myself and for the ones around me, um, it came from wanting to be king of my own life, from wanting to make my own decisions. It came from pride of a young man who decided this is okay and this is the way to live. And the way I found health, unfortunately, and I hope this is not the way that everyone finds health, but is very often at the end of a very broken road. And it's after you have experienced a lot of pain. And, you know, just like The Prodigal Son, um, I made a a film um, about that a while ago because it's a story that's so close to my heart, but The Prodigal Son... Um, you have two, these two different sons and, and one uh, always stays good and still doesn't learn a lesson, but the other one had to experience pain and destruction um, before he realized how good and healthy um, God's will and love for us is. And that is more my story uh, for better, or for worse. But And I think that a lot of guys out there have experienced that. And I hope that not everyone has to experience that kind of pain to find how um, good and gracious and and protective God's way is, but that was definitely my journey. How, how did you, um, what, was it a person? Was it a moment? Was it a, uh, event? You know, I, I, I come from a little bit of a recovery background. I have an addictive personality and, uh, um, and so, you know, we call it hitting rock bottom. Oh, and, yeah. uh, so I, I guess I'm curious, for for most guys or or even just for you what what does it take like what what needs to be in place in order to 
make that transition back to a, um, a healthier place or, or what yeah. did it for you? That's a great question. And, you know, I, you mentioned like it was there an event or a thing that happened and there was, but there was about a hundred of them. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, over this long period of time where I would get this inkling and see God work in something, I'd respond to him in a small way, but then, you know, receive back into doing what I want. And then I'd see it again and again and again. Um, but you know, it, it, it's something that is hard to pinpoint. It's hard to point to one particular thing when I have seen God, even in my worst times, my darkest times, when I'm running away from, I've seen him present in every bit of my story. I've seen him uh, present in every one of my even most grievous mistakes I've made. He has been there. And so for me, if there was one aspect, it was, I mentioned earlier that I always believed in God, that I was given this relationship and knowledge of a living relationship with God at a very young age. So for me, it was that knowledge that I was, um, that he was always there. And so when I found myself at the bottom of the barrel, uh, he was there and I knew it. And so I knew that his access, that my access to him was immediate, that there wasn't, I think a lot of people put off getting healthy perhaps, and you can speak better to this as someone who who is uh, probably talked and read about this more than I, but I think a lot of people put off getting healthy because they feel like it's too far of a journey to walk towards health. When the amazing thing about God is he meets us in our worst moments. He meets yeah. us right there. There's no huge journey we have to take. He is right there at our worst moments. And then he takes us on the journey, but he doesn't ask us to take a journey before he, before he meets us. He meets us right there. So for me, it was having that knowledge that he was right there at the edge of a turn away from any of my worst moments and mistakes. Do you, one of the things that I've heard you talk about as it pertains to this, um, the writing, this writing is um, changing culture. Right. Like male culture is, is, is kind of feels very, I I think I heard you say sad and depressed in an interview. And um, so first of all, what, what do, cause I I don't want my boys to grow up. I have two boys. My oldest son, Connor is 14 and my middle son, we call him middle burger because my last name is Melton burger. And uh, he, he's 10. What, what what are we to do about changing that viewpoint for them? Hmm. I think men today are in somewhat of an identity crisis, and I've said this before. Um, I think on the one hand, we're told we are toxic, we are bad, mm-hmm. um, we are overbearing and abusive. Uh, and these things aren't entirely untrue either, but we're kind of told we're inherently that way. And then on the other side, you know, we're told to live up this to this unrealistic standard of goodness. And I feel that like a lot of men have been introduced to in the church and we forget all the men in, in scripture that God used that were so fallible. Mm. And so we're stuck in between these two things. And I think that men often, and that's why I talked earlier about the images we have of men in our minds, don't know who they are and who they've been called to be. And they don't also don't feel empowered to be, even if they catch a vision for what God wants them, they don't feel empowered to do that because we're told we're toxic, weak, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think the only way for men to really combat the voices, whether it's from family or culture, whatever it is, is to remove those voices, at least for a time, from their head, from the from the zeitgeist of what's going on in their mind, and import the one voice that matters, which is God, and he gives us a definition of who we ought to be and who we are 
literally created to be. And so for me, that has been the most effective thing in my life and moving towards that is trying to kind of ignore what many people tell me I am intrinsically as a man, um, be that uh, extreme religion or extreme secularism, um, and go back to the, the source of um, of the definition of who I am, which comes from the creator and that's found in scripture. So that has kind of been the only thing that for me that I've really found. Um, and then in conjunction with that, it's having men come alongside me um, who are wiser, older, and help me along the way who are doing the same thing. Yeah, that's really good. Lots of lots of questions there. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite scripture as it pertains to masculinity? Oh man, that's that's a that's a great one. I guess Ephesians two ten, and you know, I know the plan. Uh, that's that's Jeremiah. The um, God created us for uh, works. Um, uh, I'm getting Jeremiah uh, with the I've created the, the plans I have for you. Ephesians two ten. God created us in advance for the good works. He has for us to complete. Do I got it somewhere in there? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's um, I. Yes. When you started quoting <laughs> Jeremiah, I got confused about Jeremiah too. So I went off. Like, I was like, wait, are we in Jeremiah? And then I was like, wait, what's Ephesians? Uh, Both oh, the verses, God. I think, speak to this uh, this future vision that God looks in, and sees what we can become. I love that the, both the verse in Jeremiah and Ephesians. I'm really feeling as a pastor kid, not being able to quote them word for word, but both of them. Speak. I can't quote them word for word, and I am the pastor. So it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I, yeah, that's way worse, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I do a lot of things. Well, not, that's not one of them. <laughs> yeah. As an actor though, I should be able to memorize stuff and I'm still not good at it. <laughs> but I love that both of those verses talk about God believing into who we can be. And, and so I think that's one thing I'd want men to grasp hold of is I think they're so, I mean, we see this, the rising suicide right. rates almost completely men, like vast majority of suicides are young men. And so I think there's a lot of despair in manhood right now. And so what I love about these verses is that they believe forward in who they can be, who they can become as opposed to the depression of who we might be right now. It, there does send, uh, tend to be a, a whole host of hope in the message that you're talking about in this, in this writing, in this book, and in the stories that you share. It seems to be full of hope. W- was there a particular guy in your life who like, um, who, who set you who discipled you, poured into you, who put you on that path that gave you some pretty epic stories? Oh, yeah. You know, I have a lot of them. I have an amazing brother, an amazing dad, um, and but a more recent one who in kind of my adult life, and I should talk about this in the in the book, um, is this guy named Guy. Um, he's actually a writer too. Of and course his name yeah, is Yeah, of guy. course he's Come the old guy. And he lives guy. in LA. Come and on, once guy. a month, he would have this amazing guys get together. Um, no pun intended. And we called the fire pit and we'd have, we'd sit around this big fire and it was just a time of discipleship where he chose, you know, had these specific men who would come and we'd talk and we'd share and we'd pour our hearts out and tell our worst fears and mistakes and doubts. And there, uh, we'd be led, um, and, and gently to God to talk about him, to understand, to see him in our lives. And apart from that guy in some of the really hard times of my life would meet with me and just let me be, um, myself and talk through the worst parts of what was going on in my life. And then apart from him, I also am a big proponent of therapy. I think therapy is a beautiful thing. And I think guys sometimes stand away because it makes us feel weak. But therapy throughout my life has been something that has been so valuable to me to have, um, especially Christian men therapy for me, um, who can really give me insight um, further along the path into what I'm going through and 
have this really gentle, loving ear that has no judgment, but also gives me um, insight into how to move forward. So one of the things that I hear a lot from guys is that they're not great at communication. And a lot of what you're talking about there is not just communication, but it's vulnerable and intimate communication. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. In in this season that feels even more separated because of COVID and, and pandemics and just uh, isolation, how, how do you build in uh, practical tools to stay connected to people? Yeah, that is a that's a great question. And it's one that I think is really hard to do right now. I think there is something just, I don't, I don't know the word to use, but intrinsically good about being in a room with someone and talking and, mm-hmm. and feeling and smelling the same things and eating together. But unfortunately, that's not a reality for many people right now. But I do think we can utilize technology to our um, advantage in that, I think, again, it goes back to these the intention. We have to be intentional, right, with our time. And I think that accountability, and I don't mean a moralistic way, I mean accountability of love and goodness and strength and just community and connecting with people is so important for, um, I'm going to say everyone, but especially for men as well, because I think men have this idea that we should be islands. You know, we should do it all our own. You know, it's kind of the the picture in our mind, the the cool drift. Well, it's a, it's kind of like a weird, rugged individualism. Yes. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps, you know, kind of idea, yeah. even though that that doesn't feel biblical at all. Yeah. Jesus surrounded himself with 12 people. I mean, he, he brought, he made a, he had a group take his word to the world. And so for me, I I tend towards that. I tend towards, I can do it by myself. I don't need other people, but I've learned, this is one of the hard lessons I've learned. I have learned that humility and authenticity and opening up to trusted people, to wise people has only ever benefited me. And so for me during this time, it's been um, something I could really slack in because I want to sit back and play video games or read a book and I don't have to do anything or say anyone. I don't even have to go to church. Um, but <laughs> right. I have, but I have, I decided early on, no, I don't want to do that. So I have regular meetings, um, with people throughout the week who I know are healthy for me, who I know will speak wisdom into my life. Every Wednesday, um, at two, 2 PM, I talk with my therapist o- online and we have an hour. We just chat sometimes about really deep stuff, sometimes about history. Um, but it, just having that interaction, that regular rhythm, like you talk about and being intentional about it has really kept me, um, going through this hard time. How, how long have you been seeing your, uh, your counselor? I've been seeing, um, this one for about two years now. Okay. I, so I've been with the same counselor for seven years. Oh, that's amazing. And, um, he, he does it, uh, I'm very blessed. He does it as a ministry for pastors, uh, but I'm, I'm such a huge, I mean, not, I don't think there's just. Um, I, I tell guys all the time that it's like having a personal trainer for your heart. Um, Absolutely. It's, I mean, we work out our bodies, we work out our hearts with Bible times. Why wouldn't we work out our minds and our souls and our emotions with someone too? Those are just as important. Absolutely. So um, one of the things that we were talking about a little bit before we press record was how the kind of the community has kind of rallied around this book. Um, because of, you know, releasing during the pandemic and just all the weird stuff that's been going on in the world. Um, what has the process of, of writing the book and re- now releasing the book and watching the book kind of grow into this toddler uh, a couple months removed from its uh, original launch? What has it showed you or taught you about God um, as it pertains to, to your relationship with God? That's a great question. And 
you know, as a, as an artist, especially a Christian artist and one who writes books and likes to go on podcasts or talk or those kind of things. And I wonder if you can uh, sympathize with this as a podcaster and pastor and writer yourself. I, um, I fall very quickly into thinking I'm valuable to God based off of what I do for him. Oh, that'll preach. And then judging that value based off of how successful what I do is for him. Mm. And so I have been, this has been kind of something that I've been struggling with this year. So, I mean, 10 years of my, ent- my entire life being the youngest kid of a past, you know, uh, a big family and a pastor's kid, but it's the comparison aspect that I'm learning, that I'm learning to deal with and understand about myself. And it's learning my intrinsic value that is wholly separate from what I can do for God. In fact, nothing I can do for God could ever change his love, add or subtract his love for me. And I sometimes look at God like I have to earn it and that's not Christianity. And I, and I do things if I could just accomplish this. And um, that's something I've definitely started discovering in therapy is my view of God is somewhat of a, a boss who I try to please and do things for, as opposed to a father who just loves me. That's beautifully stated, and it resonates deeply with me because I'm I'm always wrestling with this idea about um, what am I known for mm. to to God? You, you know, like it, it, like there's some sort of like magic formula, like uh, you know, and and nothing in, in the pastors that I talk to, nothing has upset our egos like online attendance <laughs> you know? and, 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 you know, we're doing, we're back in in-person, but it's a third of what it was. Mm. And so it's, uh, it's just kind of this weird, um, I mean, the, the gospel still, the gospel still the gospel, right. But yeah. yet at, after, after church or after, you know, a podcast goes out and not as many people listen to it as I think should, or it's just like, um, you know, I, we've been on this walk for so long. Do, do you think that these feelings of inadequacy ever go away? I don't know. And I do think, I think everyone feels them, but I do think yeah. they are something, there is something about them that is, I don't want to say totally specific, that is very man, that's very specific to men very often. I feel like we live in a world where very often we base our value off of what we do. We base it off of the numbers, whether in our bank account or on our social media, or like you and I, when I'm clicking that refresh button on my podcast or on my, uh, on my book. Going Why don't morning. I have more subscribers? <laughs> yeah. And then I literally conflate that with, oh, I only got this many downloads or likes. That must mean what I'm saying is not as important to God as what any, you know, name any other guy online who I follow um, and secretly resent in my heart, which is definitely a center. Sure. <laughs> Go through one of these days. Um, but I judge my value of that. But I think it's a very, it's something that's very intrinsic to the male experience is feeling that need to prove ourselves, to live up to some standard, to show the world we're valuable, to work, to, and, you know, there's goodness behind it. Of course we should work. Of course we should yeah, strive true. to make goodness. But I think when we wrap our value up in that, or even if we're loved and our relationship with God up in that, that's where we can start to go wrong. Yeah. I think one of my mentors would say, uh, it's his favorite term is, his name is David Watson. He, he's uh Dean at the seminary where I went to. He always goes, now, Tony, you know, that's the epistemic consequence of sin. And I'm like, David, I hear you. But what does that mean on Tuesday? <laughs> yes, exactly. Coffee? Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, so I'll ask you, uh, what, what do we do to combat that? 
What did you like, what, what are the, what are the, I mean, I know that in the book, you know, you kind of list out these, um, 12 different chapters of, of what it means to be a good man. What are some of the, like the, like, give me your top three practices, practical mm-hmm. speaking for, uh, the guy who's got two kids and, and, and working from home part-time going to the office part-time. What are three things that he can start doing to, to fight back the lies that the enemy wants to feed us? Oh, that's a, a great question. Um, and I'm afraid I'm going to be like really like cliche because there's just some basic practices that help. I'm, but there's a reason why cliches are there because yes. they're true. So fire yeah. away, man. We're they're here truths. for people are tired of being true. That's what someone on the TV show said. I like that. Oh, that's um, good. I like that. Yeah. Right. Um, but it, you know, like you said, it's, it's making a rhythm to any relationship. We talked about marriage earlier, right? Any relationship, it takes a regularity to it. It's not a, you know, me and my wife, we had a wonderful first date. And, but if I expected to ride off of that for the rest of my life, then I would be sorely disappointed. Instead, to build a relationship with her, it takes us every day engaging with her, loving her, talking to her, um, opening up to her. And so I think it's no different when it comes to God. It's a relationship. And I think that actually, um, to your question, actually does combat us thinking that we have to work to a to get his approval um, or to, to find his value. When we are closer to God, when we find the relationship there, when we make those spaces in our lives to actually, um, and not again, I want to move away, not in a moralistic, if you don't do this, you're not a good Christian way, but in a, when we connect with the creator, when we connect with our creator who designed us, when we make spaces and rhythms in our life every single day to do that, we will find our lives beginning to shape more, our minds and our souls beginning to shape more around how we were meant to understand things and how we meant to understand ourselves. So I say that is definitely a practice. Another one that um, uh, there's, there's so many, I'm going through all the chapters in my mind. I'm like, Oh, that's a good one too. I should say that one. Um, but <laughs> you should get the book guys. There's a lot of good ones in there. <laughs> there's a, a lot book. of good yeah. ones. <laughs> but um, another uh, good one is, uh, you know, the, the, I wrap the book up with remembering the the verse about Jesus who said he grew um, and wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And I try to take each of those things in my life and create um, rhythms out of them. So wisdom would be, I read every day. I want to expand my mind. I want to understand the world so I can uh, be able to understand the, God's creation better. So that's something, that, that's my mind. Wisdom and stature, I work out. Um, this is something I don't really enjoy because I love eating and COVID has, uh, has definitely been, <laughs> but I try to create a routine of something, even though I know I, I hate it, but I know it's good for me. I do it. So stature in favor with God is a relationship like, with him. Like I just talked about. Uh, and then with man, we talked earlier about, um, community. Um, so those are kind of the core and then it, from out, from there it goes out, but I'd say you can get creative with all these two. It doesn't have to look like, you know, you sitting in a chair reading the Bible. I love taking walks outside. I love going to the Colorado mountains. Adventure, you know, men were made to adventure. Maybe you can discover an amazing prayer life while you're on a hike somewhere in the mountains or in the sea. But I think there's some beautiful um, ways we can do all these different things that don't have to look like the cliches uh, we've come to know. But I do think the core there is truth. And I think you're right. These are cliches for a reason. Well, and I, you know, even if you cut down the activity to something like a core idea, like it still, still plays out. One of the things that I've noticed is um, 
you know, when I go to the gym with my oldest son, who's now in that season where he's full of testosterone and he's got six pack abs he, and he's just walking around with his shirt off all the time. And I'm like, son, put that away. Nobody has time for that. That was, that was a good, like three months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I missed my three months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but but going to the gym with him has become this almost a spiritual discipline for us because mm. we connect in a different way than than and I've just seen God like uh, really showing me that you know He wants to meet us wherever we are doing whatever we're doing any of that can be holy and I, I think that's I one of the that. things that I I appreciate about kind of your ideas this whole idea is that we we we're, we need to be surrounded by stories. Mm. of different moments and different life events that point us into to wisdom and insight and, and what it means to be a man after God's own heart. And so I, I really appreciate your words in that and, and what that means and looks like. Um, how, how a year from now, how will we be celebrating the impact of this book? My prayer and my hope is that this book will reach and find its way into the hands of young men who feel that desire. You know, in the first chapter, it's called adventurous as a, as, um, it's an aspect of men that we have to take hold. And it talks about, like you mentioned, the story that we are all drawn to. You know, I saw Lord of the Rings for the first time. I said, I want to be that. I want to live a great story with my life. I want to be in an epic. And we had in that same drive that I felt as a 13 year old kid, you know, swinging a pretend sword around in my backyard still lives in me as a man today. And I want to live out a great story. I want to be a part of something great. And so my hope is that to all the men who feel and haven't ignored that voice in them to the young men, perhaps, um, who believe, who, who want to live in a good story, who want to live a great life, who want to live in an epic, but maybe perhaps through life circumstances or trauma or anger, disappointment, whatever it is, have felt powerless to live into that story that they were made to. I hope this book gives them wisdom, insight, and encouragement in knowing that they can and, uh, and maybe some practical ways of how to begin living into that story, how to chase the creator, how to find who they're created to be. And also, I hope that to the men who are hurting and who have guilt or shame or anger um, about who they are, what they've done, what's been done to them, that they might find some understanding in these words, too, because I tried to write it from an authentic point of view um, where I talk about my own struggles, my own failures and faults, because I because I think it's important for us to know, and we don't always know this in the Christian community, is that um, every one of us is human and fallible and have had doubts and mistakes. And so I write this with an image in mind. I want to move towards a good man, but I wrote this as someone who is on the journey with them. Um, so I'm hoping that it might give some understanding um, to those who feel alone, um, while also giving them a vision of who they can become. That's beautiful and, and beautifully stated, beautifully stated. Uh, I know that my guests are going to want to follow you all over the interwebs. Awesome. Um, where is the best place for them to connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on any of the social medias. Um, pretty much just search my name, Nathan Clarkson. And you can also um, go to my website, nathanclarkson.me. 
I have a podcast about faith and art and philosophy. And yeah, culture. the overthinkers, right? The, the overthinkers. overthinkers. Podcast? Yeah, it's a lot. We just uh, launched it during COVID, actually. And why not? Really what else fun. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Why not Skype with a friend and talk about stuff? Start a podcast. But please listen. It's, it's super fun. And I always love hearing from people who have either listened to a podcast or read a book or seen a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love getting the emails and messages. So please hit me up um, and let me know you uh, you heard me on here. It'd be so much fun to hear from you. So definitely reach That's out. Awesome. Uh, now, you, you did you did kind of tease us and say you were writing during COVID. Are you working on book number three? I'm working on book number three and number four. Um, At the same time? Yeah. So I, I finished, uh, I was halfway through before COVID. And so I finished that book and I'm starting another book in the, and I'm working on a book right now. That's just a little snippet. It's about, um, essentially my journey through Hollywood and movies Mm. and stories from that and how God was present in it. And again, I talk a lot more about story and the intrinsic desire we have, each of us have for stories. So a lot of good anecdotes from Hollywood. And and I think that'd be a really interesting one. And then I have another one come up. It's, it's called letters to a young King and it's a devotional that's for young men. That's from an older King to a younger King. Um, kind of this this image. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about that too. So I'm always writing something, working on something. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing now. That's fantastic. And actually speaking of devotionals, you, you can um, go to the Version Bible app, which I'm a big fan of, and get the Good Man devotional on there and subscribe to that plan. It's it's all over there. And so Absolutely. I highly recommend that. And, and, I, and, you know, guys, I would challenge you as you listen to this, um, find a friend and do it with a friend because uh, yes. it forces you to go from reading to reflection and uh, it really puts some teeth in the game. So, um, and if you're listening to this and, and you need a friend, I'll do it with you. So uh, hit me up and w- we can do it together. Uh, I'd, I'd love to walk through that devotional with you. Okay, Nathan, last question. I always love to ask people. Let's do it. Um, it's an advice question. If you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice now I'm I'm going to um, Oof, take you to a very specific. I'm gonna well I'm gonna and I'm gonna make it even a little harder because okay. when you first moved to Los Angeles, hmm. you're there and you're a young creative and you've got I would imagine bright eyes and star dreams and all of the things. You don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you're about to walk into. Hmm. Um, now a, a couple of years removed from that, what's the one piece of advice that you would go back and give yourself? Mm, that is a great. I mean, my initial answer is buy Amazon stock, but I know. Yes. Well, <laughs> or Zoom, Zoom yeah, stock. Zoom, yeah, Zoom stock. Amazon, any of it. Yeah, Apple. Um, oh, man. See, I, I have, there's so many different parts of the answer. Sure. To give to yeah. that, but I guess it would be one. And I, and again, I say this non-moralistically, but obey God. Everything he says is not because he's a meanie who just makes rules, but obeying him will protect you and keep you safe and out of the trouble that you in, will end up experiencing if you don't. And to um, learn in this, again, so cliche, but it's so true. Love the journey. Enjoy every moment leading up to this, you know, the, the future place you think you ought to be. Love all the moments leading up to that because, um, you know, even if we arrive um, 
which which very often we don't. And even when we do, it doesn't look like what we thought it would. Life is the moments of us chasing and living. So I'm learning this now is to not look for satisfaction and goodness way out there. But right now, today, I can find beauty and joy and goodness and create the rhythms in my life, like you've mentioned, um, that will create beauty and joy and goodness today, not just some far off success that I hope I can be. And third one is you are valuable, not based off what you do. God just loves you. Okay, that's it. That's I, t- it? I told my past self a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man, that's beautiful. And amen. Amen. That's a perfect way to end the podcast. Nathan, thank you for being so generous with your time today and um, for the work that you're putting out and just your commitment to sharing with all of us what you're doing on the journey. It, it, it really um it's really valuable and I, I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me as a real honor. What a rich conversation with Nathan. Uh, love the way that this book explores the culture of a good man. And one of the things I know is hearing him talk about the imagery and what it means to, to create kind of a vision about the principles of what it means to be a man after God's own heart is so good. I also love the way he focused on stories. That's something really big in our family. I love to tell stories and I love to tell them to my kids because I know they resonate at such a deep level. So I I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Nathan. Go pick up a copy of his book, A Good Man. Also follow him on socials. Let him know how much you appreciate him being on the podcast. Um, And and I just want to say thanks. Thanks for being a part of what God is doing through the Reclamation Podcast. Share this podcast with a friend. It is the greatest compliment you can give us. Hey, and don't forget, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Trying to get to 50. We can do it together. Thank you guys so much. See you next week.